We've started a new sermon series in 2022 called Simply Jesus, where we are journeying through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first gospel in the New Testament. It is the most Jewish of the gospels in that it is clearly trying to make the connection between the Old Testament prophecies and the coming of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so Matthew is always making that link throughout the gospel. Um, But this gospel is divided, I said last week, into five basic teaching blocks. And the first teaching block uh, is what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And that's what we're going to focus on uh, this morning. This is probably the most famous passage of Scripture in the entire Bible, uh, if you think about it. When Jesus first called Matthew to be one of the disciples, Matthew had a a big decision to make. He was a tax collector. He was in a very lucrative career. He was resented by many of the Jewish people. And so he had to give up his job working for the Roman government in order to come and follow Jesus. But he did it. And it changed his life. And it changed his life enough to where he wanted to take everything that he had learned and seen and heard and write it down, put it into a gospel, And that's what we are studying here in the new year. Now, my goal for this sermon series is for us to journey through Matthew's gospel and to wrestle with the teachings of Jesus and to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be his follower? What does it mean to live according to his teachings. And I've recommended a book, if, you, if you're somebody who likes to read further than just the, uh, the scripture, uh, N.T. Wright's book, Simply Jesus, is a great book to read as we go through this series. And at the very beginning of that book, he raises a couple of profound questions. He says, Jesus of Nazareth poses a question and a challenge 2,000 years after his lifetime. The question is fairly simple. Who exactly was he? This includes the questions, what did he think he was up to? What did he do and say? Why was he killed? And did he rise from the dead? The challenge is likewise fairly simple. Since he has called people to follow him, and since people have been trying to do that ever since, what might following him entail, and how can we know if we are on the right track or not? One of the points that we made Wednesday night in the discipleship class, and we invite you to join us for those uh, the next two Wednesday nights, is that there is a difference between being a church member and being a follower of Christ. Being a church member is good. It matters. We We want church members. We want you to join the church and be a part of this community. But there is more to being a Christian than just being a church member. We're called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're, we're called to take his words and his teaching seriously and try our best to live those out. Now, reading Matthew's gospel will help us understand who Jesus was and what he was trying to do. However, there is a difference between knowing the facts about Jesus's life and actually having a relationship with him. The facts of Jesus's life are present in all the gospels. Things like Jesus was born in Bethlehem around 4 BC in the Roman province of Judea where Herod the king was, or Herod the Great was king. After his birth, the family traveled to Nazareth, a small village largely made up of peasants or working class people. His parents were Mary and Joseph and Joseph was a carpenter, perhaps a stonemason as well. 
There is very little found in the Gospels about Jesus' youth. Luke is the only Gospel that reports an episode where Jesus gets lost and his parents find him in the temple. Jesus was baptized by John, his cousin, in the Jordan River. After his baptism, we're told that he goes out into the wilderness to commune with God for 40 days where he fasted and was tempted, uh, but he did not give in to temptation. Um, According to Luke, Jesus quotes Isaiah as his platform. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, uh, to let the oppressed go free. Uh, Jesus' best known ethical teaching is what we're reading this morning, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He summarizes God's demands of his people with two basic commandments. What are they? You shall love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, From the very beginning, Jesus was at odds with the religious authorities. They were threatened by the large following that he had, and they didn't know what to make of his healings. Uh, Jesus was not afraid to call out the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are the the facts of Jesus' life. But just rattling these off, as I have just done, is not the same thing as letting him change your heart and change your life. How can we know him on a personal level? How can we let him change us? There's lots of Christians in our world that know a lot about Jesus. They know the facts, but they don't know him as a living presence. And so, As we look at the Sermon on the Mount this morning, or at least a portion of it, let's make a few observations that need to be noted. The first one is this. Jesus is concerned less about rules and laws and more with the condition of our hearts. Let me say that again. He's concerned less with rules and laws and more with the conditions of our hearts. So back in the first century, Everything religious revolved around laws. And the main set of laws was what we call the Ten Commandments, given to Moses on Mount Sinai, where he comes back down with the tablets. What do they say? One, you shall have no other gods before me. Two, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Three, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, you shall not murder. Uh, seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness and you shall not covet. That was the law. So everything was built around the law. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were experts in the law. But Jesus says, no, it's not just about following the law, the rules. It's about your heart and your motive. It's why you do what you do. So that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. This is a revolutionary way of thinking and living. Jesus is concerned with our heart and our motive, not just with the rules. The the things that cause us to break the rules in the first place start in the heart. 
And that's what we have to pay attention to. He's concerned with our heart and what's going on in our heart. The second point that I want to make this morning is that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is setting forth an ethic of behavior that many people would say is completely impossible. He's telling us to not get angry. He's telling men to not look at women with lust in their heart. He's telling us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. He's telling us that we can't worship both God and wealth. He's telling us not to worry. He's telling us not to judge. And so we read these words in the, in the Gospels and we think, what? <laughs> That's impossible. I'm human. I can't do that. Do you know what that person did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Do, do you know how mad that made me? Do you see how that woman looks in that dress and she knows what she's doing? Do you know how much money it takes to live in Green Hills? Yes, it's really hard, perhaps impossible. But Jesus is saying, you've got to try. And again, the only way that we try is by paying attention to our heart, our soul, our motive. That's where spiritual growth happens. Now, third, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes conventional wisdom and he turns it upside down. So look at the beginning of chapter five, what we call the Beatitudes. This begins the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit, and yet we know that we think blessed are the, the mighty in spirit, the strong in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, and yet we think blessed are those who are happy and joyful all the time. Blessed are the meek. We say blessed are the assertive because they get their way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and we think blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success and money and prestige and power. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. He's taking conventional earthly wisdom and he's dumping it on its head. And he's saying that the kingdom of God is very different from the way things are done here on earth. And to be his followers, we have to constantly live in that tension. And we know that and we feel that. And it's hard. It's not easy. But we have to try. Even if we think it's impossible, we have to try. Now lastly, if we are to do this, if we are to try to follow these revolutionary teachings, this radical way of living, then Jesus makes it clear that prayer must be at the heart of everything that we do. And not only that, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to go out in the synagogues and in front of everybody else. He says, he says they like to put on a show. He says, no, when you pray, go in your room and close the door and pray to your father in secret. And then he gives us a prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we have also forgiven those who trespass against us. 
And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus is saying that none of this is going to be possible unless we develop a prayer life and a deep sense of spirituality. It's just not possible to do it any other way. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? He he says, you are the light of the world. A, A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. But guess what? If we don't pray, if we don't cultivate our spiritual lives, then we can't be the salt of the earth. And we can't be the light of the world. Because if we're too tired, and I learned this during the pandemic, if, if we're too tired, if we're burned out, if we're frustrated, if we're upset, if we're exhausted, then we can't do any of these things. And we can't do any of these things anyway without God's help and without prayer and without each other. Humility is key when it comes to following Jesus, recognizing that we just can't do it on our own. We need God and we need each other. Life throws too many things at us. And if we're not grounded in prayer, then our energy will be gone. It'll run out. And if you've ever tried to do all this on your own, if you've ever tried to achieve these commandments and live this kind of life on your own, then you know how hard that is. You know how impossible that is. I want to close with a story. I've been able to spend some time, uh, it's been a number of years now, with a guy named uh, John Maxwell. And John Maxwell is a, um, a renowned leadership expert. He started as a pastor in uh, Indiana, California, a couple other places. He pastored a few churches. And, and then he, he basically moved on in his career uh, to become a, a leadership expert. He travels the, the world and he trains businesses, corporations. He's written lots of, uh, of best-selling books, um, including the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, Leadership Gold, lots of other things. But when, when Maxwell first started getting into the leadership world, he, he would not, they knew he was a pastor, right? But he wouldn't wear his faith on his sleeve. And so somebody finally came to him and they said, where, where are you getting all of this amazing insight and information about leadership? And he, he would look at him and say, well, do you really want to know? Yes, I want to know, I want to know. Do you really want to know, he said? These are business leaders, global business leaders, right? Yes, I want to know. He said, it's simple. I got it from Jesus Christ. Amen.